Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. It's time for Peculiar Podcast. In your wildest dreams, you could not imagine the marvelous surprises that await you. Hosted by Pat Cashman. He had a fiery quality on the stage and off the stage, and he was gorgeous to look at. And back by his side, Lisa Foster. She has tattoos, she's cool. She's dangerous. Broadcasters turned rogue podcasters. It's <laughs> just a real nice surprise. They're back and on demand. Just press the button. See, you're on. Ready or not, it's Pat and Lisa. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. <laughs> Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Yeehaw! Can you dig it? Yeah, yeah, I can dig it, yeah. Mean the way we go. You know who used to say that? Uh, Jackie Gleason. That's good. I'm glad you can remember that. Well, I don't really I mean, remember it. I wasn't. I don't think I was old enough. I just. Okay, there you go. See, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not even talking about it yet, but my, my point is that, that I am increasing, you know, you're getting older when you increasingly, you're trying to have a conversation with, uh, someone younger, in some cases, substantially younger, and you have to get old in order to have somebody substantially younger right. to talk to, because otherwise you're all about the same age, but I, I will make references to things and, uh, and I'll get these blank looks, um, uh, you know, the people that I, I talked to a guy that he did. I said something about Johnny Carson. He goes, "Huh? You never heard of Johnny Carson? You're kidding. What was he? Oh. Three years old? Kitchy, kitchy, coo. <laughs> what do you call a military coup led by General Kitchy, kitchy? And then I, I started to think about it, and a friend of mine pointed this out, that in his lifetime, Jay Leno is the host of The Tonight Show. He was the host for like 22 years. Mm-hmm. So it would be understandable that this guy, uh, say born in the 1990s, would not know who Johnny Carson was. Hmm. I don't know. thought of Leno. I, see, I'm with you. I don't forgive that. I yeah. Think, it's the idea that somebody, from the moment they're born, that's where time begins. Right. And they have no interest in looking backwards or wanting to know who came before them. Uh, it, to me, it, I just have a curiosity about history, mm-hmm. whether it's you know the history you study in school or entertainment history or the history of your own family and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, so when there's no recognition or apparent interest in any of that – uh, I think, well, man, yeah, I don't know. I think you're missing out on something. You're also limiting the number of conversations you can have because mm-hmm. you, you don't have any references. Right. I do like comedians that will go out there, stand-up comics that will go out and make references, and they don't care if the audience picks up on them or not. <laughs> Maybe it compels somebody to go to. Uh, Google or or the library or somewhere and say, hey, maybe I better look up. Well, he was, I don't know what he was talking about. Let me look it up. Yeah, Google's a great thing. I, my mother, I was a child who asked her questions about everything. I'm just naturally curious and always have been. And she bought me three sets of an encyclopedias 
over time as a child because oh. she got so tired of answering my questions or because she didn't know the answer herself. She's gone now, of course. She passed away over way before the Internet came about. But I can only think about how happy she would have been to know that yeah. Google was created. She would think just for me. Thank God they created Google just for my daughter. Yeah. Because I look up yeah, all it, sorts of weird stuff. All the time I'm Googling weird, weird things. Just cause I, I think it would be pretty hard to be an encyclopedia salesman. Now, I don't, do they, I mean, I don't even know if they still print them. If you think about the idea that I want to know about something, so I got to get up, got to walk over to the bookshelf, grab a particular volume, mm-hmm. thumb through it, look it up, mm-hmm. go down. I can't, you know, I'd have to read it in real time. Uh, man, I, I just think uh, they have become, sadly, in a way, obsolete. I go into old bookstores. Yeah. And, I see a lot of sets of encyclopedias just sitting there gathering dust, unless you're a collector. Yeah, I suppose you or unless they're use, old enough to be historic. Use them Nobody's for buying them. decoration or something. Or do craft well, projects. <laughs> exactly. A lot of the information in them, of course, is obsolete. Right. Or there are topics that don't didn't exist when they were printed. Right. As well, yeah, so. very true. Yeah. Too bad. Oh well. Not really too bad, but an interesting passing of something we once took for, for granted. Well, as we are recording this, and I won't give away the exact date that we're recording this, ladies and gentlemen. I don't even know what day it is anyway, so. Yeah, I don't know what days of the week it is. I I usually know the date, but not the day of the week. I don't know either. I don't know either. And I often don't even know the time of day. Mm. Well. So as uh, we're recording this, you were going to say. I was just going to say we are just hours away from knowing the outcome of the presidential election. Uh, but to keep this a podcast sounding up to date, I think let's let's act as if we knew the outcome. Okay. By being vague about. <laughs> well, that was one for the ages, wasn't it? I know. I Goodness was. Sakes. Boy, I was really surprised. The whole crazy uh, build up to it, and and all the things that happened, and the words that were said, and all of that, and then. And then election day comes, and that is what happens. Yeah, uh, that's just crazy. I think, I think a lot of people saw it coming, uh-huh. uh, but then a lot of people didn't. Yeah, you know? yeah, um, and there's some very upset people and some very oh yeah. happy people. Yeah, if your side did not win, you are bitter right now. Yes, very, very upset. Yes, and it's indeed. not going to be any easier for the person uh, who was just elected because nobody's going to want to work with them in Congress, or so it would seem. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, this is a sticky week. And then, of course, you know, there's going to be probably some court time going on and some litigation uh, happening uh, in the in the aftermath of the election, which we have just have <laughs> have had and and now know the outcome of. Yes. Uh, speaking, you were talking about time. Uh, we are about to switch. Uh, again, this will give away when we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not yet switched to daylight time. I mean, to standard time, which now we have as you're listening to this. Okay, it's standard time now. Right. So if you haven't changed your clocks 
back by the time you hear this, you probably better rush and do it right now. And you may be hearing this a year from when we recorded it. Some <laughs> That's right. Are just discovering it. Yeah, so check the date on your calendar. Don't actually go do it unless you know what day it is. Unlike and wouldn't us. it be unfortunate if they happen to be listening to this podcast in the day in March when we're switching <laughs> back to daylight time? Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into but uh, daylight time, and I'm among those who just say, why do we do it anymore? It, it, I mean, why do we make the switch back to standard? Let's stay on either, either one or the other. I like daylight time a lot. And uh, so so whatever the reasons were that we used to switch, and I think it had to do with uh, agriculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the farmers then. needed more more daylight to get started earlier. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. It's pitch black at 7.30 in the morning now. I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> and, uh, and in fact, that's why we have our elections in November, uh, apparently, is because that's when farmers' crops were in, and there was that sort of fallow period in between when they were, you know, done farming for the year and getting ready for winter. So there was a, a break in time when they didn't have to be out in the field working, and they would be available to go to the polling booths, and so we just keep doing it in November. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I I think we would all wish that it had happened back in April uh, by now, but mm-hmm. this is what we have. Hey. But, so, so what do you think about that daylight time thing? Why switch it? I like it. I, I, th- I, we've had this discussion before. It doesn't bug me. I don't care. Just tell me what time I need to set my clock to, and I'm good. I don't care. It doesn't bug you don't me. Have any, you don't care at all Mm-mm. because they say – that uh, your this time switch, they actually, uh, after the time is switched, and of course these are statistics that aren't borne out by necessarily by an explanation, but they say more heart attacks happen uh, at the at the at the time switch. Why? They don't know. As I just said, they think it might add some stress to our body. Missing a little sleep can throw you off. Well, we get um, we get an extra hour. With, or do you? With the I mean, it, uh, some people, they say that your body's circadian rhythms aren't dictated oh. by what time it actually is, but by yeah. the light. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, so it, I, it's, why are we, an hour doesn't sound like very much, but why screw, uh, screw things up at all? Uh, especially your circadian rhythm, which, by the way, uh, is my favorite kind of music. <laughs> I don't know about you. I love that. Yeah. Just, Okay, so enough about all of that. Uh, one more issue from the past that will again reveal that this is with a bit of when this was recorded. But at the moment I'm speaking, Halloween is in the rearview mirror, but not that far mm-hmm. in the rearview mirror. Yeah. So as as we may have mentioned on this podcast before, my wife and I are living in this neighborhood now in a rental house down in Central Oregon. At least half of the time we're down here. And we also live up in Seattle, of course. And so we're going back and forth. But uh, in this rental house, we are plunked down into in, – and the reason we're in the rental house is a long story. But basically we have a house in the Central Oregon area that has been destroyed by a broken pipe some months ago. And now we're trying to get it reconstructed and remodeled and rebuilt so we can move back in and life can resume. So in the meantime, we're in this rental uh, which is a nice enough house, but it's in a neighborhood that is teeming with kids. I mean, there are – every family seems like they have mm-hmm. 18 kids mm-hmm. at least. 
You know, so as you drive down the street, you see uh, you see swing sets, you see play sets, you see trampolines and and kids and school buses galore, and it's it's just crazy. There are skateboard parks and all. So it's teeming with kids. They're just kids coming out of every anthole. There were ten in the bed, and the little one said, "Roll over, roll over." So they all rolled over, and one fell out. Nine. There were nine in the bed, and the little one. So said, we think, roll over, you know, being uh, you know strangers in this land, we we think, well, we better load up on the old Halloween candy. Because, I mean, look at this. this we're going to have a huge customer base. Right. And and we've always had this thing, like, which is silly, but we're fearful that we would run out of can- candy. Mm-hmm. Like, the kids keep coming, and now we're out of candy, and what are we going to do? Do I write them an IOU? Do I give them a can of beans out of the pantry? I mean, <laughs> what am I going to do? So we always, always have overbought. Well, we've always you bought just too much. always remember that if you have change – Money change. That's always good. If you do run out of candy, just throw a few quarters in their thing. That makes them happy. I never give kids money, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> because I figure they're just going to go out and spend it on candy. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Candy. I call my sugar candy. Because I'm sweet on candy. And candy's sweet on me. We buy an, um, um, an enormous amount of candy, and I go get these one of these big variety packs from Costco. It's Did you got get the, the good, Twix. The good candy? Yeah, okay, Twix mm-hmm. is good. Yeah, it's got, uh, I'll go look, because we got Snickers, Milky Way, oh, those are good. Three Musketeers, uh, there's Twix, uh, I mentioned Twix, there's uh, Kit Kat bars, er- everything you would want, and they're not these crummy little so-called fun, fun size. Yeah. that the candy industry is trying to foist on the poor kids, yeah. Yeah. this lamp. Wow, that's very generous of you to be buying full-size candy bars. What'd that set you back? Oh, quite a bit, <laughs> quite a bit, because rather than buy one pack, I thought, Hmm. Oh, no. Based on the number of these kids in the neighborhood, I better buy a couple of these babies. And were they like like the size of gunny sacks? How big? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think (laughs) each package has 30 candy bars in it. Wow. And I bought a couple of them. Wow. And then even at 60, I'm thinking, geez, what if I run out? This is, oh, man, those kids are going to be upset. They'll start egging our house, especially since we're newbies in this neighborhood. They probably hate us anyway. Do you give out? Do you give out? Do you give them out or do you let them just put their paws in and grab how many they want? Because if you dole well, out one at a time, that's, I think, the, the better the better way. Yeah, it probably I'm is. A, the, I'm a very it, controlling person anyway, so obviously. Yeah, that's why you just interrupted my sentence. Um, Sorry. No, you didn't really. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, the thing is, I, I call an audible each time I open the door. If it's a sweet little cute little kid in a tiger outfit with a button nose <laughs> – uh, I'm not saying, you're here, you little, good little guy. Go help yourself. <laughs> but if it's a guy, like, a dressed a as a pirate and he's got a beard <laughs> and he realizes it's a real beard, then no, I'll I'll hand it to him. You know, you don't get to put your giant paw in my baseball mitt-sized hand in there and <laughs> take all 60 of my bars in one swoop. So, uh, so anyway, the upshot of it all is that we had 
a total of five kids at the door. That's it? Yeah, five kids in this huge neighborhood. Wow. Everybody's got it. Now, when I was a kid, I went, my mom would say, get out of here, and we'd go out the door, go trick-or-treating. But now, everybody's uh, parents, the parents have to go with the kids. It's like they're going to be murdered if the parents aren't hovering nearby. And I, and, and I can get some older kids at the door, too. And I guess that's a good thing, in a way, from the perspective of, of the house owner, because, you know, they're not going to be out egging your house and setting your setting a brown paper sack of dog poop on fire do on your porch. Get, well, people, that, people really do, don't do that if you don't have candy. That's, you well, know, I think I, I'm, I'm thinking of my own yeah. <laughs> growing up, and retribution was a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, well. And the word would spread. I mean, it was like an ambulatory Google. You just Everybody would know within moments where are the good houses where are the lousy houses? Right. Um, where is it? Because it's a triage kind of deal when on Halloween. You have to use your time because you don't have a lot of it. So if, if a kid tells you, yeah, that house is, is giving out candy, but they're giving out individual milk duds <laughs> one by one. It's not worth your time. And so you cross that one off your list and you move on. But anyway, we had five kids at the door, and that was it, out of an expected thousands. So only when the last kid comes to the door and his mom is there, and they say, hey, um, we're new to the neighborhood. Oh, hi, yeah, we've seen you out in your yard. Um, is that – have you had that thing on your back looked at? I go, uh, yeah, I'm having it looked at. But the, but what I was going to ask you was, since we're near, new to the neighborhood, is, we don't notice there are many trick-or-treaters here tonight. What's the deal with that? She said, oh, uh, kids don't go. These streets are too dark here. We don't have street lights. You probably noticed that. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and plus the kids, uh, we, for the last several years, all the kids in town go down to the park. They have a big thing down there and, and the merchants are all down there and the individual merchants are handing out candy. So kids can get a lot of candy in a short time and it's safe down there. The police are around. Uh, so everybody goes there. Nobody goes door to door anymore. Yeah. Least, I, yeah. You know, that's, I that's oh, very great. true. Should have done a little research. So now I am stuck with a mountain of candy, and we cannot have it here. Why? Because I'm going to be 400 pounds. <laughs> um, every time I go by, I'm like a I'm like an old drunk walking by a liquor yeah. cabinet. And yeah, I and keep you, staring you... over at these candy bars. <laughs> and think, oh my god, I got to get them out of here. I know. Can't, sugar, sugar is a, a very addicting. Oh, it's yeah. very, very hard to stay off of this stuff. Well, did you think about donating them? Yeah, I did. I did, and uh, and I've noticed. So I got online. I noticed there's some even local dentists that want you to bring the candy there, and then they yeah. eighty six it or something. Right. But, but yeah. It's, and then there, and then there's a thing called like Operation Candy, or so. it's it's, an, it's a thing for the military where yeah. They it's send called, them it's overseas, and I thought that sounded yeah. pretty good. But yeah. here in this town that we're at, there's not a local. Uh, at least I have not found a local representative or a place I can go uh, to to make that happen here. Can you put it in a basket out on the sidewalk with a free sign? Yeah. Hey crows, come here. You yeah, know? I probably could do that. I'm gonna do it because I gotta that's get a, today. I'm gonna do something. 
That's the easiest way to get rid of anything. No, 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 I don't want it. But but even though, actually though, a free sign doesn't work. I was trying to get rid. I was trying to get rid of a sink and an old sink and an old beat up cabinet. And I said, you know, the guy said, well, I said I'll just put it out on the end of the driveway with a free sign. He says, actually, the free sign isn't what's going to get rid of it. If you put something out and you really want to get rid of it, he said, put a price on it and just leave it out there, like ten bucks. He said he had a friend who was trying to get rid of a sofa for for two weeks. That sofa sat out front with a free sign and he said I'm going to put a $10 sign on it he put $10 and it was gone the next day <laughs> the moon belongs to everyone the best things in life are free the stars all shine for everyone they're shining for you and me well I think that rule generally applies uh, and probably does but candy uh Free candy. I'm sorry. Nothing trumps that. You don't have to put another sign out there. Free candy. Now there's there's lots of recipes you can you can make. I mean, I guess your the point is you don't want to ingest the candy. So I guess it oh, wouldn't I make do. sense to I do. I do want to ingest the candy. Oh no. Oh no. You you entirely misunderstood me. No, I want to shovel that thing in like I'm stoking a fire. I know. I know. It's not it's really bad. that bad. I actually don't have much of a sweet tooth, but, uh, you know, if if it's around, it's handy. If, I mean, if you have to get into the refrigerator, you have to open a can, you have to fix something, eh, it takes too much time. Candy is just one wrapper away. Very true. Yeah. Very true. I don't know what you're going to do. Candy, how would you feel about just throwing it away? Um, And, and I don't, why wouldn't I just feel okay? Yeah. But, yeah. Why wouldn't you? Well, I spent a pretty good chunk of change on this candy. And somebody else said, well, just freeze it. You can use it next year and the year after that. And the year. No, 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 no. You cannot freeze chocolate. When you freeze chocolate and then you unfreeze it, it gets oh. that weird white. No, you don't. You keep, No, don't freeze it. Hmm. Even just, if we move to a neighborhood with lousy kids? <laughs> just throw it away. Well, and I, and I don't want to hog up room in the freezer with this stuff anyway. And it, and, and it would still be taunting you because you'd know it's just one freezer exactly. and one wrapper away. <laughs> so, You're so right about that. So just throw so it I know away. I, I will donate it. I just have to figure out uh, where and who and, and how. I don't so, think you yeah. need to put that much thought into it. I think can't you just – isn't there a local food bank? Oh, yeah. 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 But I don't – there are a lot of food banks that say don't bring it here. You oh, know, we, Really? Yeah, we, we want to. We want people to have healthy food. We don't. We don't want to, them eating this crap for the very reasons you talked about. Yeah, I, I mean, suppose. I, I think a candy bar is a nice treat uh, once in a while, but yeah, what, what's the food bank going to say? Get out of here! Well, now wait a minute. Um, Christmas is coming up. Can you can you fashion them into gifts for people? Like. With some festive red ribbon, you know, you could gift. Here's the other thing, too. If you if you have a job that you go to in an office, that's the easiest solution there. You just bring your leftover candy and slam it on the in the in the office kitchen, and everybody just you know it's gone in eight minutes. You have touched on a pet peeve of mine. Another uh, one. Yeah, I got. <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, I've got a pet store franchise on these things. So many. And they all have to be fed, of course. Mm-hmm. But it is the it is those people that you work with at a company or a place where they bring in their kids' campfire girl cookies or 
Uh, you know, uh, they're selling bond bonds for the kids. Oh, they're not bringing them in to share. They're Deca bringing program. them in yeah, for you and to they buy. Want, and they want yeah. you to do the kids' work for yeah. them, essentially. Yeah. 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 That drives me around the bend. And I don't know why I should care. Because all you, all you need to do is just ignore it, right? And Well, I know, Ben. They always say, you know, no, no pressure, <clears throat> no pressure. I just got an email from a company that I do work for yeah. who one of the employees is – doing something for breast cancer and so it's been mailed to everyone and you know if you can donate that'd be great if not you know no pressure and i just i sort of resent that sort of cyber begging and office Mm -hmm. begging and all of that i don't know i don't i i'm with you it's it's there's no i don't feel good about being approached on that stuff i i'm i'm a good person i give to things that that i want to give to but i don't like being sort of and it and it and even when they say there's no pressure that that's pressure right there sure sure they yeah it's implicit right i think i've told you the story before where i did this speaking engagement for this big charity that had a big budget it wasn't a nonprofit and so i was uh, being paid a very nice sum to give a 30-minute keynote speech. And they did a modest amount of publicity for it and blah, blah, blah. So the night of the event comes, and I've got my speech ready, and I've customized it for this particular group. I, I mean, I really worked hard. I didn't give them a standard generic speech that I give to the JCs or whatever. This was for them mm-hmm. and for their group and their crowd. Well, it turns out, they somebody goofed up and then I saw a lot of finger pointing going on. Well, Larry was supposed to put that out uh, on uh, on his social media and he didn't get done because remember Larry's wife was having a baby that week and it, and so everybody's <laughs> the long and short of it is that uh, of an expected crowd of a couple hundred uh, a couple thousand people <laughs> there was about seventy five people there. So I, I just uh, – um, I gave my speech and it was – you know, so I did my half-hour thing. And, so 75 and, people isn't a lot of people? Is that what you're saying? Well, compared to the – you know, their expectation that there would be at least hundreds if not oh. – if not okay. Because 75 is a pretty good group. It was but... in a big room though. I yeah. mean there were a oh. lot of empties. And Got of course it. nobody wants to sit in the front. So I'm I'm talking to this group group that's way in the back, but they're all they all decided they'll all go back. There. So I the first thing I do is make them all come up. Uh, come here, I yeah. can't even go back. I there. do. I think that's interesting. I, just that people do tend to not. Nobody ever comes in and just walks right and sits in the front. It's only yeah. if those are the only available chairs left that's where people will come and sit because I do presentations as well, and I do the same thing. I make people move up, and what I say to them is that I never ever pick on anybody in the front row and that usually gets them more comfortable with coming up to the front what is that about that's a good idea well you also um when you since you do a lot of these uh, presentations and instructional seminars and things Mm -hmm. when somebody comes barreling into the room you're getting ready (laughs) to start and they come and sit in the very front Mm -hmm. kind of breathlessly in the front Uh, doesn't that send some kind of signal to you like "Uh uh-oh this is this is going to be the incessant babbler. Oh, going to yes. Ask me a million questions. Yes, the one that hijacks the the yeah, discussion. Exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's 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 difficult. Not because they're a bad person; they're just uh, so. No, no, they're bad people. Eager. 
They're bad people. You know what? <laughs> when you come to a presentation, just let the presenter present. And then when the presenter invites you to ask a question, then ask a question. But beyond that, just shut up and listen. Just shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Is this the admonition you give at the beginning of your speech? <laughs> I wish I could. Well, you um, could. I, you? I find it. I find it no. I I find it just enormously disrespectful, especially when I have a a, a point that I'm meandering around to, um, and it gets interrupted with somebody. People just open their mouths and blurt out stuff, and it's, it's like it, you're telling a joke and they blurt out the punchline while you're halfway through. I hate that, and I have a yeah. lot of jokes that I sort of pepper into my. Give me uh, one pre- presentation. Let's hear one uh, of your jokes. Well, I typically am asking people. Uh, you know, has anybody here done a voiceover? Uh, has anybody done any radio or TV? Any any acting? And typically, That's you know, not very, much of a joke. Very few hands go up. Let me get to it. Very oh. few hands go up for the acting, and then I say, "Well, let me ask you this: Has anybody here ever been in a romantic relationship?" And they all laugh and nod, and I go, "Then you have acting experience," which I think is a very funny joke. It, it loosens up the group. It's one of the my. You know, it's my little icebreaker. But, yeah, occasionally I will. That's not where I thought you were going with that. Occasionally I will get, a, you know, a this guy. This is how I would do it. What? I would do everything you did, everything perfect. you said. Okay. The, has anybody been in a, a romantic relationship? And then, you know, whatever people, happens. And then I say, not. okay, let me ask you another question, everybody. Raise the hands. Anybody in here who has ever killed a guy? Okay. <laughs> and then just see what happens after that. Oh, that's dumb. That, that is an icebreaker right there. In fact, <laughs> you could even plant somebody in the audience that leaps up and says, yeah, yeah, I killed a guy. Yeah, and I'd do it again if anybody crosses me. Yeah. And then well, have to look around the room to see if anybody's crossing them. I, I, now, that would get their attention for the rest of the hour. Yeah, I, I adore you and your humor, but my joke's better than yours, so I'm going to stick with that, that one. Okay, well, yeah, and I don't do what you do. Yeah, it's yeah, not you do. Paid for it. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. I, the... My point was that if you bring the people who bring this these things into work to mm-hmm. sell for their kids, Boy Scout troop or whatever, um, I just I I never did it. I just think it's uh, not only is it doing the job that your kid is supposed to do because usually these things are little contests. They but, are. The girl yeah. or kid that sells the most wins some sort of prize or gets some sort of accolade. A new car. But it, but it won't be their achievement if if you do it for them. But, the of course, the other part is, if you, as you've already alluded to, is that it puts pressure on people. Like if you're, as I say, if, like if you're the gen, – let's say you're the manager of a department. Uh, what are all the underlings supposed to do? Just not contribute? Uh, I mean, you're almost obligated to, and that's sure. not a good position to put people into. No, it's not. My dad one time, there was a there's a thing in the Boy Scouts, or maybe it was Cub Scouts, one of the Scouts, and it was called the Pinewood Derby. Maybe they still have it. They and, do. They're very the, cool. They're very fun. You know what I'm talking about? Not the Soapbox Derby. No, the, is, or the full little, scale things the that you little, get. The little cars that you make out of a yeah. block of wood. How do you know about that? You're a girl. I know stuff. Oh, I'm a girl. Good grief. I know stuff. I read. Well, I, I, didn't, I had encyclopedias, I bet, I bet if remember? I did a poll of 10, 10 women, they wouldn't know what the Pinewood Derby was. So good yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah. So what about so, it? 
Well, the Pinewood Derby, uh, since you know so much about it, you already know this, <laughs> is where kids are given a block. Each boy is given a block of wood. I think girls are in Boy Scouts now, too. Each kid is given a block of wood. You get a little uh, wood shaving tool and maybe some other accoutrement. Yeah, and, you just fashion and, a little car. Just get exactly. to the point. You just fashion a car. And, and then, then you race them. And then on the big night, you race them, and the kid that wins the race wins the prize. A new car. So I can remember this so well. I had the winning car. It's just a tremendous car that beat every other car. Yeah. You go, you let the cars go at the top of this ramp, and the one that wins wins. My car won. Mm-hmm. I won the prize. Mm-hmm. My dad built the entire car. I mean, I didn't do one thing. Oh, on it. one thing. And how did that make you feel? Great. No. I got all the benefits without doing any of the no. work. Not possible. The bad boys and girls is the, the goal lesson. in life. God bless America. I, I, I can't remember how it made me feel. I mean, it felt great to win, but I know if you were, if this was a movie and you did a close-up of my face, you'd see that I was yes. I w- was not remorseful, but I was embarrassed, mm-hmm. privately embarrassed with myself because I'm the only one who knew the truth. I was going to ask if you confessed. Yeah. Did, you, did you confess to anybody? Uh, years later, I did. No, I, I actually can remember this because I was brought up Catholic. This is a Catholic Boy Scout troop. Uh, I confessed it. And you have to go to confessions every so often. Wow. What was your, oh, your penance? Sin. What was your penance? Uh, it's always the same. Uh, you know, like a, our father and a couple of Hail Marys and get out of here. I always yeah. gave the same confession every time. <laughs> And, and if there are any other Catholics listening, they know what I'm talking about. I would go in and give the same thing every time as a kid, never change. Which was what? Uh, I would say like three things. Usually I have three. I would say, um, I, I punched my brothers. And then you'd have to say how many times. I've, I've hit my brothers about four times. Do you have to I say where bit, in the face or in the no, stomach? Just, <laughs> no, you shouldn't. And they had to say, "Oh, did you hit him in the nuts?" <laughs> no, father, I did. That would be oh. way more hail marys if you hit him in the nuts. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure would. <laughs> and then I would always say I disobeyed my parents, uh, which I really didn't. I don't. I mean, I didn't even stop to think about it. I just, I, I probably did. So yeah. therefore, let's just say I did <laughs> about three times. And then my third. Always confession was, and I used bad language <laughs> about three times. Did you have to Sometimes substituted with impure thoughts, but I didn't even have those because I, you know, I, I didn't oh, even, God. I didn't even know what was going on with sex anyway. So, oh, but gosh. I, but the bad language, and then you know, if, if a priest was really probing, he'd say, "Well, like what, Esperanto? <laughs> no, no, I mean nasty words." It's like, what kind of nasty words? Uh, I really, I'm just, I'm just going to have to confess all over again if I tell you, won't I? Uh, technically, no, because oh. I'm a priest. No, but anyway, so. Well, I, I want to I, I, I get back to your father. What was oh, yeah. your father's motivation for doing the work that you were supposed to do? Did he think you were too stupid to make your own pine derby box car? No, I don't think he thought that, but he thought if I had any... This kid's going to screw it up. I better just do it. And he had justification for that. It's an interesting dynamic and a psychological 
study. My dad, and uh, we were growing up, he would do projects around the house. Like he would uh, remodel a bedroom or, or he'd, um, you know, put a, a little uh, playhouse out, out in the yard and he'd build it. But you always hear these stories of dads saying, come here, son, let me show you how to hit a nail properly. Right. My dad, yeah. no, not at all. He would, he'd say, go on, get out of here. Go, go play. Go on. It's like, and I realized later, because I have some of this, Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I don't want to be observed doing. Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, I remember taking my son fishing one time. I don't know anything about fishing, but I was pompous enough to tell him uh i said let me show you how to <laughs> let me show you how you throw up a, a line into the water all right first of all you rear back like this and you're gonna whip it you're gonna whip it <laughs> with your wrist don't don't use your arm use your wrist and flip it out there as far as it goes so i'm showing him this and we're on the banks of a river and I rear back and let it go, and of course it gets caught up in the branches of a tree. <laughs> the line, yeah, which is bad enough, but it throws me off balance, and I and I tumble and slip down the bank with three or four somersaults all the way into the river, while he thinking, "Way to go, and, Dad!" Uh, I can remember coming up. Uh, yeah, I said something like, "Came out of the water." I was sputtering. I wanted to be just really mad. But uh, but I was had enough presence of mind to know this is only going to make it worse. Uh, so I I stupidly I said something like, "Okay, sometimes I feel like the best way to teach somebody how to do something <laughs> is to show them how not to do something." <laughs> You're going to remember that a lot longer than if I showed you the right way, right, son? <laughs> That's actually uh, very sure. Smart. Yeah, Dad. And but I said something like that, or I I think that was what was going on with my dad. He wasn't real sure of the advice that he could give on, mm -hmm. on doing manly things like fixing cars and what have you. So he just shooed us out of the room mm -hmm. so he could work on it and do the trial and error by himself. Yeah. And uh, I think I, I do a lot of that. I did a lot of that when I was raising my kids. Hopefully Isn't not too much. Interesting? It's interesting yeah. that parents think they need to know everything for know. their children. It's, yeah. it's such it's such a lot of pressure. And um, isn't every Lisa? Isn't every parent today? Uh, don't they all seem to be working really hard to be a better parent than their parent was, mm -hmm. with the assumption that their parent wasn't so good, mm -hmm. which is probably not true at all. Yeah, you know? that's very true. You're you're working with the information you have at the time in which you're living and, and at the time in which you're parenting, and you're an amalgam of all the the things that your parents did and your grandparents and all the other people. Uh, my mom, was uh, she read the Dr. Spock books as if it was the Bible. I mean, mm -hmm. he was if he said, jump up, jump down, pick a bell, a cotton, that's what she would do. You know, mm -hmm. and, and I think a mother's, it was the trendy thing. Then and now a lot of those ideas are pretty much uh, eschewed uh, because they've been replaced by new ones. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I, I but it's impossible to assess, and I always want to know, uh, and I'm going to secretly know what do my kid, what do my kids think about me? I mean, what do they really think about me as a parent? I know that I know because they told me so 
that their mother is the greatest mother that ever lived. And she is a good mom. She's fantastic. She's a, she's a great mom. I know everybody says that about their respective moms or wives, but she's amazing. And I don't know where it came from because she wasn't brought up with any of those kinds of – nobody ever said I love you in her house. you know. Mm. They, and that's true of a lot of people my age and, and older. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever heard my dad say it until he was near the end of his life. And then it was almost like he was embarrassed to say it, mm-hmm. both because he had never said it before and, secondly, because it didn't feel right coming out of his mouth because he'd never done it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, But it was he was a product of the times in which he was brought up in and, and, and what happened to him. So the, I, I think the good thing about relationships and spending time with new people and other people is that they bring something new to your party that uh, that you never experienced before. I I would say that if I was driving down the street, I never looked at uh, the blossoms on a tree or, you know, I wasn't that enamored with animals and pets and birds in flight and all of that sort of stuff. But, you know, Partnering up with somebody that did appreciate those things taught me to like them too, and, and, mm-hmm. and have feeling for them. Uh, in the absence of any of that, I'd, I'd still be pretty much the knuckle-dragging savage that I was as a kid. When he got tired of dancing alone, he'd look in the mirror and say, "Gotta find a woman, gotta find a woman, gotta find a woman, gotta find a woman." Let me ask you this, because this brings me to a topic I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, when you and Patty were having your family and she was having the babies and then uh, when you weren't having babies, you had to think about birth control. And the male birth control shot that's been out in the news, um, we'll talk about that. Is that something you would have considered doing, <clears throat> taking a shot for, for birth control? Where do they administer the shot? In your eye. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I will tell you this. I've told you this story before. We went at that point in our lives. uh, We've had our kids now. And I went to the doctor uh, with the plan that I was going to get a vasectomy. The doctor is describing the procedure to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, what we'll do is we will. uh, Oh, uh, why didn't you just stop him right there and say, la, 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 just die. Why? Why would you want to know? Well, you know, I wanted to be manly. Why? Oh, okay. Then we're that... going to do this. Uh-huh. All right. That's fine. Good. No problem. Well, uh, I went out and I fainted. I literally passed out as he was telling me what the procedure entailed. And my wife was sitting there with me. I don't, don't want to uh, know. When you go to the doctor, just say, do what you're going to do. But, you know, you don't have to. And I know they feel like they have to explain. No, you don't have to explain it. Just do it and do it well. And then I'll write you a check. That's really what that relationship should be about. Would it be possible for you to do this post-mortem? Uh, <laughs> easier on me. So I, I did. We were talking about it. I could feel myself getting dizzy. And then my wife and I went outside and I keeled over. And and he was just yeah. describing the procedure to That's me. That's very manly. Uh, That's super manly. I have manly. one of those. <laughs> so manly. I have one of those. My wife is a nurse and she says, don't feel bad. You have a reflex. A lot of men have this, and it is—I um, I don't know what the name of it would be, but it's a certain the non, sort. The, the non-manly reflex. Yeah, I guess. 
But if I'm getting my blood drawn and I'm watching the blood go out yeah. of my body, I pass yeah. out. Yeah. Then I learned I... they somebody said, "Don't watch. Just let them take the blood out and look look at it over on the other side of the room." Since yeah. I've done that, I've been fine. Yeah. Yeah, you it's... don't need to watch it or hear about it. This is the your exactly. that's, that's the the main main thing to remember. Just Did you always know that because I just have discovered that. What is wrong during with this you? conversation? Really? <laughs> No, I. That's pretty much my my uh, modus operandi in life. I don't just if it's unpleasant, I don't want to hear the details about how it's going to get done, uh, or uh, I don't want to want to really watch it. And that that's everything from doing my taxes to uh, going to the doctor, all of those things. Just I just want to get it done. I don't want to know the details. You just want to munch into that sausage. Just want to get to the end. Just get me to the back page. That's all I care about. My mm-hmm. little puppy, by the way, Sherman, got his vasectomy this week. Mm-hmm. But they don't call it a vasectomy. I wonder why they call it neutering for dogs but not neutering for men. Well, because they don't – it's psychological. Men think, wait a minute. I don't have any sex anymore. I'm neither male. I, I, the, the term neutering means – like in between. So the guy's no longer a man and he's not a female. Neuter sounds, the, the word neuter sounds <laughs> like like you have changed to some sort of third sex. It sounds, well, I, I don't think to a man it would be, oh, no, oh, no, 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 uh, no, I'm, I'm still a one to be a guy. I think yeah. to a man, I think they think that you're, they're going to remove their entire appendage. Right. Not well, so so you're right. So I guess for for dogs, they um, take their little um, their little marbles. Is that right? Yeah. 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 They do. So Sherman's got it. He took. Let me ask you this: marbles taken know, away yesterday. Yeah, I know okay. we're up against the the sundial here, but uh, why would Sherman have to um, be denutted? <laughs> Since he is a dog that is basically always indoors, the other dog in your in your home is also a male, mm-hmm. and and he's in a fenced in backyard. What? Who's he going to go impregnate? Well, that's not the only reason you go denut a dog. I mean, there's there you can't know possibly be a dog, another a, reason. A dog that is intact tends to and and not always, but tends to be more reactive and aggressive. Um, I know that's how I am. Yeah. He could get he could escape. He they're often not allowed in play groups if they're not um altered um and it's just healthier for him. So if he escapes and he has not been he does not been neutered and he escapes. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. And then he comes home and he's smoking a cigarette. <laughs> you pretty much put two and two together. <laughs> Right. And uh, just the aggression thing, I don't want uh, – yeah. And, and there's too many unwanted puppies in this world. Why Why have my dog have his, his gun loaded ready to create more puppies that aren't wanted? I just – so there. Well, I think I he has the I didn't right. Have, I didn't have a talk with him about it. I just took him in and he's – You feel bad about that? No, not – why should I feel? I feel good. I think we should all spay and neuter our pets. Now, All see, that is that is maybe the difference between a male and a female. Like, I had no problem at all taking our female dog in. Oh, sure. To so have... now, now, this is interesting. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Okay. Why? Uh, because 
when they talked about what they were going to do to my dog, I passed out. <laughs> she never figured there would be such a brawl. She never talked about building a wall. She never did much tweeting at all. That must be why the lady lost to Trump. Thanks for listening to Peculiar Podcast. Hey, goodbyes. <laughs> Join Pat and Lisa online at PeculiarPodcast.com. The gift that keeps on giving the whole year. And on the Peculiar Podcast Facebook fan page. Sweet. On Twitter at Peculiar Podcast, at Mr. Pat Cashman, and at Foster Chick. Join us and live in peace or pursue your present course and face obliteration. 